Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. This podcast is brought to you on the Blue Wire Podcast Network by the good folks at TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com. Those folks at TickPick offer you the best prices on tickets in the market, flat out. No extra fees. What you see when you're trying to check out, buy the ticket, is exactly what you're going to get when you get to the finish line. That's what they do at TickPick.com, and they're offering great promotion codes right now to get $10, all right? off your first purchase when you sign up for the site, which is fantastic. Reminder that any ticket you find that is cheaper, right? A ticket you find on another site, cheaper, they'll match the difference up to 110%, which you love to see, right? So go to tickpick.com slash breakdown. That's the only way to do it. No promo code now. We're just eliminating that. Just go to this simple URL, tickpick.com slash breakdown. That will take you where you need to use the $10 off get to the Pittsburgh game. Tickets are expensive, but you can get a little bit off and you can know that you're getting the best price out there. TickPick.com slash breakdown. Go there today. So we're going to do an offensive breakdown. I got to give you a little bit of an, an, an update personally. I, if you've noticed, have, po- have posted a podcast every single day since like July and I needed some time off, man. I posted Saturday's podcast, did not record one Saturday night. This is now Sunday evening, late evening. I had to take a break, had to recharge the batteries a little bit, took a night off. Hopefully you don't hold it against me too much, but that's why we didn't have anything on Sunday. And I'm lazy about this this weekend because I didn't get a guest. I did have a guest. John Colosimo is going to join me, but his uh, headphone situation fell through. So we'll get with John later in the week and we'll do some some AFC North sort of updates later in the week too that we like to do around the NFL with John. Hold that off for, for when he comes on. But yeah, like... Needed the weekend, needed to recharge, and got that, got away, got up to a friend's place. Our family went up there, stayed with theirs, and needed it, you know, needed to to unplug and disconnect from the Browns a little bit, like I'm sure the Browns players are doing in this time, where you finally get a little bit of a window of opportunity to unplug and and uh, step away from things, and that's what we did. That's what I did, and I apologize not having a secondary guest lined up, because Saturday, I did a solo podcast on the defensive comprehensive breakdown. Now we're doing it again on Monday for your Monday podcast with a offensive breakdown here that I'm going to do, and there's no guess, so apologies for that. But again, busy weekend. Saw Dune Friday night. Fantastic movie. Cannot recommend that movie enough. Got my PS5 Saturday. Madden is phenomenal. Sorry if you're a hater, whatever. It's phenomenal. Been playing that. It's a completely different game on PS5 than it has been on all those years on PS4. And they clearly have dedicated all their energy to making it a different game. It feels different. It looks different. Really cool. I like it. So I'll be doing more of that on the OBR Twitch stream soon. So keep your eye out for that. And then uh, also wanted to talk about this game, this rain soak game I've been watching. If you were watching on Sunday night, not a great slate of football games for your Sunday, a lot of blowouts. I think like 10, 10 games were double digit victories for teams. So it wasn't really all too competitive of a weekend, but just watching that monsoon in, in California, which is rare enough as it is out in San Francisco. And just thinking back to all the terrible, terrible weather games and how frustrating, stressful, 
that is for a quarterback. There's other positions that are like, you know, that's fun to play in the rain, but quarterback was so miserable trying to get the snap every time. I hated it. It gave me the most anxiety ever. And if you were around my age, I'm 32. If you were around my age, I was a senior in high school in 2006. And if you were in Ohio, and I'm pretty sure in any portion of Ohio in 2006, week 10 was like the biggest monsoon I've ever been involved in. And I'm pretty sure, like I'm, I'm almost positive, it rained across the entire state. And it was terrible, disgusting, like mud, like literally out of a movie mud-soaked field. Couldn't take a snap. We won 2 nothing on a safety my senior year, the final game of the year, uh, to get into the playoffs. And I just think back to that all the time, you know, because grass fields are different. You, you know, I played in college, and those are all field turf fields uh, pretty much. There's a couple sporadic little places that still have grass. But the rain is just different on grass fields. And, man, brought me back to that memory because that was a monsoon. The entire game, it rained hard uh, that the Colts figured out a way to win. But that's all of the other stuff. We'll talk about Bengals-Ravens. I have thoughts on that and the Pittsburgh situation coming up, all of it with John later in the week. For now, we go back and revisit the offense, okay? So in this game, just as a little bit of a refresher to everybody from a statistical standpoint, because most of you, like me, have kind of unplugged yourself from this thing probably for the weekend as a means to, you know, just it's been a, it's been a wild ride over the first seven weeks, and I think unplugging is good. So we were fresh. The Browns went for 376 yards on 67 plays, 5.6 yard average, pretty good. 23 first downs, a 9 of 15 third down mark. You would think they would have scored more than 17 points. Now a block field goal makes it 17. That drive you capitalize, you get three or you get seven, you get to 24. Pretty solid day. They ran for 182 without Nick and Kareem. Pretty dang good. Uh, Dearness Johnson, as we know, 22 for 146 and a touchdown. You got a John Kelly 13-yard production, Demetric Felton 13-yard production. You got four carries for seven from Case Keenum, two carries for Johnny Stanton, five yards. Uh, both of those runs were first downs, big runs, and that's kind of the nutshell. Like, they ran it at will. Case Keenum, we're going to talk about his grade in just a moment, was good enough. 21 of 33, a buck 99 touchdown, missed some throws, made some throws. Did what he needed to do. The difference, really, and why I think it stayed close was Cleveland had nine penalties to to just two for Denver. You know, so the Browns 194 passing yards because they were sacked one time. I think Shelby Harris got in there with a sack. The Browns punted three times. They missed that field goal where Andrew Billings. I posted it on the OBR film breakdown Twitter feed. Andrew Billings just got rolled as the right guard on the on the field goal team, and that's why it got blocked. It was a very easy block. The good thing, too, time of possession, 36-51 for the Browns, 23-09 for Denver. So they controlled the football. So let's talk individual grades in this game. Uh, obviously, we know two players after after uh, the multiple reviews from uh, the, the group at Pro Football Focus, a 91.1 uh, grade from Wyatt Teller, which is, again, phenomenal. It's, it's who he is. When he's at his best, he is a run-blocking guru. He's a 91.6 run-blocking grade highlighted by his... He's one of the best zone-blocking guards in the NFL. Fantastic. Now, the pass grade wasn't great, 55.8. But the collective run grade, which the Browns did a lot more uh, impactful running in this game, gets him to a really solid grade overall. Sometimes the metrics of how this works out for the offensive grade for pro football focus, I'm a little unclear on because like he went for a 91.1 grade, 91.6 in run blocking, but was only a 55.8 in pass block. So it's like, huh, how does that work out? But whatever. I thought he played really well. He did give up a couple pressures. That's why the pass grade was down. Dearness Johnson, a 90.6 and a 90.0 run grade. Phenomenal. Just a 
A, a cool story. I believe our good friend Jeff Lloyd had him on his podcast. You can check that out. Uh, and I know Brad Stainbrook, ROBR's Brad Stainbrook, had him on Instagram Live. He's been very willing to do some local media stuff. I didn't think to ask him. Or maybe he would come on this show. Don't know. But he uh, he did appear on Jeff's show if you want to hear from him. Personally, just such a cool story. He's, he's he did the LeBron tweet after the game and how he heard about it. And it was at the podium. I'd encourage you to go look at it. Because it's just like the real emotion and like, is this happening to me kind of thing going on there. Is really neat, but he's good. He's good. He's not, you know. I think he's an NFL back. He people kept talking about the four eight speed, the four eight speed. He might actually be a borderline four eight runner, but he gets to his top speed. That's the difference. I talked about this on the Twitch show, and I think I talked about it on some other pod. But like he's a like there's there's guys that can reach a top speed number that you'd be surprised. Like I always thought it was funny the Daniel Jones run last year where he reached the same top speed that Tyreek Hill did. But it's how quick do you get to the top speed? Some guys are slow burners. And then there's guys who are like, I can get to my top speed right now. Whatever your top speed is, I can get there right now. Those are the difference makers. That's why we keep seeing people compared to Tyreek Hill. And you're like, well, why isn't that person Tyreek Hill? Well, he doesn't do what Tyreek does, which is combined blazing fast long speed with an immediate burst to get there. That's what makes Tyreek Hill the unique unicorn that he is as a football player. And that's the difference in some of like Anthony Schwartz expectations. He builds up a little bit. Anthony or, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones builds up a little bit. So there's some of that stuff I think people miss. And like to me, Dearness Johnson does a great job of getting his foot in the ground, making a cut here, a cut there, and then getting to his top speed, which again, isn't elite top speed or anything like that, but it's good enough. And his ability to change direction quickly, sell one direction, put the foot in the ground, make a cut, like he's a good two-cut runner. I think he can do that in the NFL for some team. Now, his long-term future could be in Cleveland. His contract says that he can be here for a little bit. They'll uh, they'll put a restricted tag on, or a restricted, uh, uh, whatever, the tender on him. I think they have to do that. I don't look into contracts this time of year, but I think they have to do that. There's a chance he's around, and there's a chance he could be down the line a replacement for Kareem, a part of that plan to replace Kareem when his contract expires because Nick has been long-termed. So yeah, like Dearness is a nice player and he had a great game and it was a really cool story. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Other great uh, games here. Austin Hooper at an 86.7. His run block, plas- run blocking, and pass blocking in this game is good as I can remember. There was an early season game. I think the the Bengals game last year. I thought Harrison Bryant was unbelievable, and I thought Hooper was equally as unbelievable in this game. He had a 72.9 and a 73.9, and he got a lot of reps in each. And I get three really clean pass protection plays against some tough competition, and then 25 run blocking snaps. So 73.9 in run blocking snaps is really good. Joel Batonio, 79.0, 82.1 pass block, 79.2 run block. Great game from Joel. Just consummate professional. Should be in the Browns' ring of honor someday. Just a great player that just doesn't get talked about enough. Commercials are pretty bad from Joel, but a hell of a football player. Uh, Demetric Felton was nice. He had 22 snaps, 13 in pass, which is what we expected. Higher pass volume than run volume. Three run snaps, six run blocking snaps. 78.6 grade collectively. 77.0 in pass, 69.8 in run. Pretty good game from him. Blake Hance. Shout out to Blake Hance, who handled Von Miller really well. Thought he played his butt off. 71 snaps, 36 pass block, 35 run block. He had a 70.7 grade, 50.9 pass block. Struggled a little there. I think that's where he's weakest, but the run blocking was phenomenal, 77.2, and that's what makes Blake Hans valuable, is he can play multiple positions. As much as I like Michael Dunn, I think Michael Dunn's a better player, but he is clearly, even as a former college tackle, is limited to interior work, and that's why Blake Hans, in the early portion of this year, you can make an argument that Blake Hans has been one of the most important Browns players, filling in for both tackles and doing it pretty well, considering... And uh, couldn't be happier for Blake finding NFL success here. And he should be around Cleveland for a while. I think I was a little too low on him early in the year because people kind of relate the story of a guy named Blake when last year it was Michael Dunn who dominated through three quarters against Cam Hayward in the playoffs and doesn't get talked about. I think Michael Dunn's a better player, but Blake Hans to me, clearly has a role in Cleveland if he wants to be here long term uh, at a cheap cost. Jarvis, welcome back. 38 snaps, 69.3 Offensive grade, 66.7, sorry, 74.2 in the, uh, we'll, we'll look at his receiving grade a little closely, 66.5 pass grade, we'll check that out a little later. David Njoku played well too, he blocked He blocked really well, a 68.3 total grade, an 80.6 in pass blocking for him, and a 75.0 in run blocking, and 21 run block snaps, so shout out there. Guys who are on a little bit of a low side, Jedrick Wills, 50.6, 57.6 pass block, 45.3 run block, just toughing it out. Really, really, really good stuff from Jed, toughing it out. J.C. Treader was a 72.0 run pass block, 59.9 run block. Let's dig into the O-line a little bit more. Blocking grades. Um, let's talk about pressures allowed in this game. So Jed allowed three pressures and two hits, so he allowed five, which definitely impacted his total performance from the uh, blocking grade side of things. If we kind of get more, more granular and look at pass blocking numbers, so we talked about the true pass sets. He allowed uh, five from a true pass set perspective. The team only allowed seven hurries and eight pressures total. They only allowed those seven hurries, one hit. The hit was allowed by Jed in the true pass set there. Um, he allowed two. Blake Hans allowed two. Wyatt Teller allowed one. Batonio allowed one. And Treader allowed one. So the grades for Wills 
in those true pass sets. Again, true pass sets are those like long, predictable pass situations. You got to throw it downfield, no screens, no quick game, three-step drop, hitch, hitch, that kind of stuff. 41.6 from Jed, 53.5 from Blake. Wyatt Teller gets a 68.8 in those. Betonio is 68.7 and Treader of 61.8. So not their best work, but three of the five were pretty solid. And Blake Hans, I thought, was for considering who he was playing against most of the game, was pretty good. So collectively, if you eliminate those true pass sets and go the whole game, they allowed 14 pressures, 10 hurries, and three hits. And then the sack allowed by Teller, I think, came on a play action pass. So not their most clean pass blocking day, but the run the run blocking was phenomenal. Okay. So they ran, this gives you an indication, and we'll talk about personnel numbers here in just a minute. Uh, I kind of tracked all that stuff as I always do for us. Wyatt Teller, and we'll start with him again at the top. The run blocking, he was 90.8 in zone. There were 14 zone snaps, 16 gap snaps uh, for the for the run blocking phase, okay? With a gap block collectively better than they than they zone blocked, okay? 50, 86.5 for Teller and gap. Betonio, 78.8. The three tight ends were all in the 70s and a high 68.8 from Harrison Bryant. So that's pretty good from all three of them. 67.8 in gap from Hans, Treader 63.7, and Jed struggled down there with the 50.9. Again, but Jed's presence is always going to be better than the alternative. And I thought it was, and you know, it, it instills quarterback confidence too. And the zone schemes, Teller was a 90.8, which is ridiculously high in 14 of those snaps. Betonio 57.9. Treader with a 59.1, Hans with a 56.4, down to Betonio 57.9. So, yeah, I thought Jed, I, I'm not sure. Let me see if we can find Jed. Jed was better here, the third highest zone blocking grade, 61.1. So he was better in that aspect. But that's your O-line play. Your receiving grades we should talk about real quick. Receiving grades, Hooper led the team with the receiving. It was a weird night of receptions. He was two for two. He had the long catch and run on the screen, so that helps, where I think he had 40 yak yards of 42 on the day, uh, total yards. He had an 81.4 receiving grade. Demetric Felton, a 77.0 receiving grade, as he caught all three of his targets for 21 yards. Uh, screen game involved. Dearness Johnson caught bo- both of his for a 69.2 grade for 22. Landry was five of seven for 37. He gets a 66.5 grade. Uh, Anthony Schwartz goes two for three for 22. He gets a 61.1. Njoku, two of two. He gets a 68.3. He caught that for 18 yards. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Odell, pretty tough grade. 54.3 receiving grade where he caught two of his targets for six yards. I don't know. Odell feels like he still has the weight of the world on it. It looks like 
it really looks like he's trying to do everything all the time and make every single play he can make. And it just looks like the weight of the world is on. He's not playing free and easy. He's really not. And I don't know if that'll come this year. I don't know. I, he's a guy too, who's recovering. He's still just now 12 months. This is the week seven was when he got hurt last year. He's back and it's week seven. Like he's just now a year back from ACL injury. So we could probably pump the brakes on a little bit of that hatred. Uh, he's, he's, he's still working back there. I know we all want and see all these things like Jamar Chase's day and we're seeing all these different I it's still in there with Odell. I'm not sure if we'll ever see it the way we thought we would see it in Cleveland, but there are still really productive plays 13 can make and if the alternative is to take him off the field, I I don't, I don't know. I just feel like that's too far. Like I think we got 10 weeks to see if he can turn keep turning back into the guy he was before. I don't know where it goes, but I just think that there's sometimes a little bit too much bearing with him without remembering he's dealing with a really bad AC joint sprain now, and he's coming back from ACL. I don't know. I'm mean, you got no choice at this point but to just watch it work its way out. I mean, that's that's it. So you know, he does get credited for the drop that he had on the slant, which frustrates everybody, frustrates him. Other receivers, the final two, Harrison Bryant went one for two on targets, one catch, 15 yards. He did have a drop in the game. His receiving grade was a 47.4, and then Higgins was one of two for negative two. I think he caught a a late little shuffle to the flat after a chip block, so he gets a 53.4, not actively involved. The receiving in Cleveland, if you are a fantasy football player, the production in the pass game is the most capricious thing you could ever find. They are so all over the place. One week, Snajoku goes off. One week, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones goes off. Donovan Peoples-Jones hurts his groin in the pregame, which is so disappointing. I really thought he was coming along, and I know he's heartbroken about it. You could see the dejection he had on the sideline, and I thought, man, this guy's really starting to get some targets. It's coming along, and he gets hurt. I have a fear he won't be involved in the Pittsburgh game either, which really sucks because I think he's a few a really – important or integral part of the future of the wide receiver room and I thought we could keep seeing the high volume of routes run and target uptick we've seen so hopefully he can get back soon and get back in that groove because I do think he's pretty good you know made the Jamar Chase statement before the year when I kind of meant to say he's an identical form of a player he's like a like a poor man's version of him he wins the same ways on a football field he's clearly not as gifted not as good but pretty good in terms of what he can do and how he does it. It's similar to Chase. So I think there's something really there with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Again, clarifying, not as good a player, but a pretty good player who plays the game a similar vertical way, who's a long strider, who can do some of those things with the limited route tree and make enough things happen. So I hope he can get back and get back on the right track because, like I said, he was playing good football late and had really kind of popped off. Case Keenum... We'll go through the data here. He was 19 of 26, 183 in a touchdown when he was kept clean. Pretty solid. 62.9 grade there. He had one turnover-worthy play. All right, I think that turnover-worthy play was the uh, fumble that ended up being re- like recovered or returned to the spot. I'm pretty sure because I don't recall him throwing into much trouble. Under pressure stats, he only threw... Two of seven under pressure, so didn't handle that well, which is a pretty consistent theme with Brown's quarterbacks this year. A 46.8 grade there. So 16 yards he took. Uh, he, he only had 10 dropbacks, so he ran on a couple of those where he received some pressure. 
So not good in that in that regard. And when he was not blitzed, he was 15 of 22 for 139, a 64.4 grade. And then when he was blitzed, he was a 6 of 11 for 60 yards and a touchdown, a 50.7 grade. So he missed some throws, as you know. He threw for 12 collective first downs in the game. He scrambled, uh, he scrambled twice, uh, d- scrambled twice on his own. He did have a quarterback sneak mixed in there. Um, let's see here. On the other side, passing concept, play action throws. He was 12 of 16 in play action for 63.4. He was 9 of 17 in non-play action for 50 yards uh, and through 5 of 6 screens as the Browns continue to have really high volume of screen game success. He threw for 63 yards in screens and 136 yards on non-screen plays. So, Again, not great. His 20-plus yard downfield grade was 0 for 2, 26.4, but he was 4 for 9 in the medium range, which is a 67.5. He was in the short game, 9 of 11 for 61, and then behind the line of scrimmage, those screen passes, he goes for 76 yards uh, for 66. So, And and again, there's more than just those screen passes. You can throw anything that's in the uh, behind the line of scrimmage range. So it can be dump-offs to running backs, things of that nature, too, mixed in for that to go uh, up from five of six to eight of eight behind the line of scrimmage. So, because some screens can be passed the line of scrimmage, as you know, whether good or bad, there was one that was past the line of scrimmage. So pretty good, but about what you'd expect. And I said it on 92.3 the other day that I think a really injured Baker, as we've seen, there's not a massive drop-off to Case Keenum. I just don't. Like the really injured version of Baker and the, and the second guessing he's going through and not pulling the trigger and not believing in himself, the inaccuracy we've seen downfield, I just don't think it's a massive drop-off. Healthy Baker, the guy we saw the last two-thirds of last season, the guy week one before he got really beat up in the week two game, that's a clearly that's a clearly better player. That's not what the Browns have seen most of this year, though. So don't get it twisted and don't get offended by that. I think you got to understand, Baker's beat up. Shoulder is maligned, man. Like, the dude is... is struggling for multiple reasons the shoulders making the head not function the way it needs to function like all of it's intertwined and to me i just don't see a massive drop off and that's you know you're paying case keenum good backup money so it all adds up i just want to make it clear that i'm not trying to offend mayfield there like he's he's still pretty he's still better but it's not a big drop off i just don't think that's a really offensive thing to say like he's injured And there's not a big drop off to the backup because he's injured. So I didn't feel like they were going to get substantially worse quarterback play in this game. Now, healthy Baker we saw last year, pretty good, man. Can can really do the things you want to do in this offense, but he's not healthy. We'll see. There's more information to come out this upcoming week. Could be out by the time you listen to this podcast about what his future really is. I've heard things like six to eight weeks. I've heard things as crazy as he'll be back on the 31st. I don't know, man. I don't know. But the injury is more serious than any of us thought. The hit from J.J. Watt clearly impacted it, made it worse. And I just don't know if there's an outcome that is great for anybody involved in that this year. Because even if he plays, he's a shell of the version he really is. And that sucks. So, you know, that really sucks. Because you thought he was going to make the strides. And to make the strides you wanted to see, to pay him the money he wanted and to believe in him as the franchise guy, he needed to be healthy. 
I don't think we're going to get a healthy version this year, no matter what. Either he's done and he gets surgery and he gets it fixed, or he tries to play through it, and that's just not the best version of Baker. So stats before we go. Um, 11, sna- 11 personnel, they were in that for 32 snaps in the game. 12 personnel, they were in it for only 8, which is about the trend lately. They have not climbed over 10 for 12 personnel really for a while. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, 13 personnel, they're in for 13 snaps. 21 personnel, 5. 22 personnel, which is two backs, two tight ends, eight snaps, and then one goal line snaps with a goal line snap singular there uh, with uh, two two running backs, three tight ends, which is typical goal line formation. So again, the higher up volume creeping toward 50% of 11 personnel, which is a change to what Stefanski did last year, which was down at the 40% range. They were uh, in motion or shifting 49 of 69 snaps in the game. That's a high number, right? Only eight drives in this game, though. That was the least this season. So that needs noted. That's a big part of why the game didn't turn into more points is long drives by the Browns that only resulted in eight total drives. Denver controlled two really long drives in the second half of their own. So that limited how many opportunities the Browns had in the second half. So... uh, yeah, that's just little things of note. And it's also the first time we've seen a jet motion fake screen pass uh, tied together. They do that flat fly motion behind the quarterback. I should have said fly motion and and then run a, a fake screen and then throw off of it. Uh, I think that that's the first time we've seen that this year. And shout out to uh, to David Whalen who does that for us. Uh, great content there, man, as he helps with motion. And then we kind of confirm that throughout the week. But that's your offense. So we go through that data. I thought they were fine. I thought they were conservative which is to be expected, conservative, and, and it's clear Case doesn't have the arm to drive it downfield the way they'd like. Again, reminder too, the wins were ridiculous, but he doesn't have the arm to drive it downfield the way you would love. But uh, they can still be relatively okay with Case. It can, they can get by. They can be okay. And I thought they had a clear plan to run the football uh, effectively with power O stuff, backfield motion, kicking out the tight end, clicking out the defensive end, pulling up and through. It was effective, good cutting by both Really, you know, great cutting by Dearness Johnson at the second level. But even even John Kelly, when he came in, made a nice one cut. They were just very decisive run game participants. And Denver feels like a team that had some false hope early in the year. And a lot of people are trying to trying to push that narrative about Denver. But it's like, even with Jerry Judy, that team is not going anywhere. They're just not. And they're a sinking ship. And the coaching staff's going to be fired by the end of the year, Fangio. And they'll try to figure it out. But we'll see. The next four games tell us, guys. The next four games really do. I mean, you got an opportunity to win some. You got games that are tougher than you expected. Pittsburgh is coming off a big win. They're going to be tough at home. You got to go to Cincinnati, who's riding a high. You got to go beat uh, Bill Belichick in New England. Never easy. And then you do have a Lions game that you have to win. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it looks like. But I know that these four games are going to be really important. We'll get clarification on who's going to be involved in those four games in the coming days in the early portion of this week. I will have out the all 22 chalk talk note or not chalk talk. I'll have out the all 22 scouting notes that I write up. That will be for your viewing pleasure tomorrow on the OBR in the late afternoon. You can check those out. It'll be for both offense and defense. I'll keep them combined this week. So dig in, check those out. If you're an OBR subscriber, if not, you should subscribe so you can see that there's a ton of notes in there about performances, play video content too, which is unique in the market. The video content you can get, So that's a wrap on this episode. We'll be back for our usual Tuesday night chalk talk about Case's game. We'll talk about, uh, 
you know, the offensive line with Kyle Murphy, and then we'll we'll do our closing on defense, which had some nice performances in that one. We'll tie that in with John Stephenson at the end. So check that out on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Monday, we have Monday Rewind on the OBR Twitch. You should, you should be involved in that too because you can get all your questions answered and we look back at the game and we look ahead too because you know we're, we're now four or five days removed from the game looking ahead at the next week with, with Pittsburgh and a huge matchup will be something we'll be doing all week. So thanks for listening to this podcast. Apologies again. I did not have one yesterday. Apologies that I'm here solo once again. Hopefully I'm not burning burning your ear holes here too much, making the making the ears bleed. But, you know, sometimes you, you don't have a guest, so you got to go solo. And I, I hope I did okay for you and you're not too burnt out with my content. Appreciate you guys listening, joining, supporting, subscribing, all of that fun stuff, man, to this pod. You guys make it worth it. So shout out again to everybody for listening. Have a great Monday, the start of a, a great week ahead. And we close with the usual. Go Browns. Go Browns.